Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We are here today, um, full studio again with Frank and uh, his buddy Ernie uh, to go over our experiences down at ATA. But before we get into that real quick, um, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. You know, I put on the, we got some more stickers in and I put something up on our Insta story and we had like over 20 people come in and just say what their uh, favorite episode was. There's a lot of Frank on there. That's uh, that's for certain. But, um, you know, uh, so we're sending stickers out to Montana, Virginia, Georgia, um, Indiana, Wisconsin, all over. And uh, so, you know, that it really means a lot that there's people listening, you know, that are kind of following along that are everywhere. You know, you, you think it's just the – four of us that listen here in the room and, 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 and kind of, uh, wow. you know, it, it means a lot. Everybody that listens, it's, uh, you know, we, we really do appreciate it. And then there was a lot of them from one of our last episodes that we did with, uh, Kevin from the deer hunter podcast and they're premiering that movie. You know, they spent like the last 14 months, um, recording a full length film. I think it's, I think he said it's like over an hour long, um, so they're going to be premiering that um, January 26th in Grand Rapids. There's uh, the trailer and there's a little blurb about it that aired tonight on Michigan Out of Doors. And uh, you can find you can just go to Michigan Out of Doors and uh, see the episode from today, which is Thursday, the 17th. And uh, it's got some information on there. They're planning on selling it out. So, you know, you might have to finagle some some tickets because they, they were kind of down to the wire but if you do get a chance and you're going to be at the the hunting time expo uh kevin and all the guys are going to be there hanging out in the exodus booth and doing some things with bha so definitely go and uh, check that out but thank you you know everybody that that's listening and um you know we'll get those stickers out here either end of this week um beginning of next so we'll have that all but um yeah, so we went down to ATA. We were there for all three days. Uh, we drove down Thursday morning, got there a little bit later. You know, we didn't get there when the, the show opened. I think we were there last year, right about the time the, the show opened. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where everybody, you know, if you're into archery, you want to go. Um, but it's not a consumer show, so you can't buy anything there. It's not something where you can... You can buy certain things. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess John buys string. Yeah, there's all. I mean, you can buy, you can buy stuff. You can buy arrows and stuff. It's just, it's not like, it's basically for the dealers. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's a dealer it's, show. That's what it is. 
but you can purchase some things but so so having already been there and you know when we are putting stuff on instagram and people that are following along and you get messages that say man why didn't we get an invite why can't we go you know everybody wants to go and i don't blame them but i wanted to ask ernie since he'd not been there you know what was your impression of the show and you know having heard us talk about what we did and and everything last year how it was you know what were your expectations going into it for you know because everybody that's listening you know there's a very small fraction of them that that have the chance to go so i mean what what are you what are what were your thoughts well after talking to you guys about the previous year you know you get a little excited about going down there especially meeting some of the people um but it's an overwhelming huge um deal with archery the whole everything that goes with archery it's just amazing how huge the field is um i'm just i'm really glad i went met some great people and uh i mean some of these people that are at the top of their game and they're so humble and they'll take time with you you know and they don't know you from jack so it was i was i was it was amazing it was a great great show and so for us, I think going down there, we had, at least John and I, you know, myself, you know, I wanted to see all of the new, you know, run and gun style hunting things. Like one of the guys that had been down there, it was his, his first year and we were sitting at dinner with him and he's like, man, bow hunters really were like dilly danglers and doodads and, <laughs> you know, and it's like, there's a lot of that. A lot of gimmicks, a lot of, you know, the next thing to kind of pique your interest or or whatever. Um, and I, I would say that for the majority of our listeners, they're kind of all on the same page as far as, you know, it's, it's public land. They're looking for something to give them an edge. Um, and I think what I've learned over the last year, year and a half has been it's like, it's all kind of between your ears and, you know, if you put in the work, you're going to be just as successful or way more successful than if you had Dilly Dangler X out there, you know. Um, so f- for you, Frank and Ernie, um, not being so in tune, you know, you, you guys were like – especially Frank last year, this year, maybe not so much Ernie this year, you know, the Drewers were there, Michael Waddell, you know, all of those guys and the guys that are on TV and they're pushing all the biggest new products from, from everybody. Um, I guess, what did you see down there at the show that really kind of caught your eye versus, you know, John and I probably looked at things a little bit differently. Well, you know, you guys, had specific things that you had in mind you were going to do and stuff. And and we just more or less kind of, you know, took it upon ourselves just to, just to check everything out, you know, which was, uh, it was really cool. There's a lot of really new products, and, and uh, you get to meet the people, you know, a lot of them that design the stuff and, you know, work with it. Uh, like when we were talking about the dude with the releases and stuff from Trueball, mm-hmm. you know. He, yeah. he he went right into it. I mean, as far as manufacturing and how he machines them and so forth, and he's the, the actual guy that makes them. Yeah, he's the engineer behind it. So right, it was really cool. Yeah, so it was 
you know, it's it, like I say, it's it's really overwhelming yet, you know, when you go down there because, like I say, it's it's everybody you've ever seen, you know, you can talk to them. Well, it also seems as though, you know, these it's a kind of a battle for these people. They're they're out there trying to get sales and market shares and try to say that my product's the best, but they're actually coming up with some great things sometimes and the innovations. And I, you can't believe how far archery's gone since I first picked up a recurve. I mean, I wore corduroy jeans, flannel shirt, ball cap on backwards, sat on a white bucket in a tree, three arrows in my right hand. A blacktail hunter finally got me a compound and killed a deer. Now, I mean, I want to be out there, you know, in a Badlands suit and and uh, with the new birth sight. Oh yeah, eleven hundred dollar oh. bow, a seven hundred dollar sight, and stuff like that. You know, you can see you some of these things. I see benefits to other things. You go, hmm, you know. So, I, I guess the, that was spoken like a true politician like yeah there was lots of new sites and there was lots of new things and there's lots of stuff it was a great show like what <laughs> what the fuck did you guys like like what did you see that was cool well ernie you really like the bear site right I, I did um i think it was kind of a you know last year was the big hype garmin coming out with a you know their site and then uh iq iq, IQ came or... out with theirs which iq is you know that was a great site just it had a built-in rangefinder, basically. The Garmin, I, I, we talked about it last year. I didn't think it was. I mean, it's got some great technology. I just didn't, didn't think it was very practical for. Either well, one of them weren't really user friendly. You know, I didn't think. Well, the I IQ, mean, the IQ was okay. You know, but still, it was. You know, you had little little deals there that you know. Remember when we were trying to. We were looking through it, and it was kind of like, well, I can't really see this, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, the IQ basically was just a, I mean. It was like it was a fixed pin. Fixed right, pin with fixed a, pin. With a built-in range right, finder right. that just read on top. So, which was, it was neat because, you I mean, you held the pin or you held down the button, and as you moved, you know. So, that right. was just basically, I mean, it was pretty basic, and it worked. Just it was, for a right. basic site like that, it was kind of heavy. Yeah. Where the Garmin just was way too complicated had you know the lens and i mean with all the hype burris come out with something that was i think worthy of the hype basically yeah and and you didn't hear anybody talking about it right there was nothing the only person i I mean we went down and looked at it because we ran into robert errington from deer meat for dinner and he's like you need to go check this site out he's like go look at burris he's like like well, absolutely, I'll go down. And we went down and checked it out. And that one's more, I mean, it, yeah, $700 or I can't remember, $759, whatever the list player. Yeah. 729 was the lowest. The guys, at, that's a buzz at work right now. I, I told them about it like once. And there's several guys coming up to me and saying, well, 729 I found so far. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that that's super expensive for her. I mean, you can buy a whole bow set up for that. Right. But it, this one... You know, he went through the whole process. Yeah, there you got to program it. You can have two separate arrow, you know, weights. You know, arrow one, arrow two. So if you're shooting a 540 grain arrow and a five and a 650 grain arrow, you can set them up both and then punch the button. And you got a you have a 20 yard pin that's fixed. Fixed, and 
you don't need to have it lit up or anything. So if something were ever go wrong with it, you still have a 20 yard pit. And so that site to me was worth the hype, like I said. So well, when he told us he shot he shot a mule deer at 92 yards with it, and then the biggest biggest whitetail of his his career, he shoots at 29 yards, but it was at 50 or something, wasn't it, coming in? Well, and, he's, yeah. yeah, he said he was going to shoot it at 50, and then it yeah. turned and come to him, so right. he just held it on him yeah. and, and shot him. It was amazing. So, yeah. Well, I mean, so the the argument there is right that's happened to every single one of us i mean not shot a deer at 92 yards i mean they're out there and then they here they come and you know right. you just use whatever pin or you use the correct holdover but it's it's definitely you know it, it takes away that you know i guess i've i've not I, I, it's funny because i was just looking at something on social media that says if you it, it, tag a guy that would miss this deer at 20 yards and my brother automatically comes to my mind because he missed a booner at 20 yards <laughs> and i think it's that that added bit of well gosh it's it's so big right mm. so maybe that's the difference you know the biggest because the deer that he killed at 20 whatever yards was a 200 and some inch deer it wasn't like mm. it was you know just happened to be the biggest deer of his life it was like you know one probably one of the bigger deer killed you know, in whatever state he killed it in, in the country, right? You know, so you know, there's that added, I guess, level of confidence in your, you know, knowing exactly where to hold, right? So, I mean, there is there is that um, to it, and that's kind of like what Ernie said is, you know, everybody's trying to tell you that their product is better than the guy in the booth two two doors down. So, okay. and there is a lot of I don't know, um, like brand loyalty for a lot of people. So you just go to um, where are we at? Who makes the the knock on rest ripcord or no? That's AAE. AAE is, yeah. is it AAE ripcord though? No, no, that's the, the pro drop. Okay, yeah, but we you know we went there and it's like that guy's like yeah, right because we were talking to another booth and. You know, everyone's got their own preference on setup. I prefer to have a, a limb-driven fo- fall-away rest just because I'm always tuning and tweaking and stuff. And if I have to mess with my cables, I don't want to have to pull the cable-driven cord out and think with that and then have to reset the timing and do all that. I know that if I hook it to the bottom, you know, limb, it's, it's right there. And I can just get it right back by loosening up, pulling it through. There's no timing issues, and it's just easier for me. Well, then we talked to this guy, and he's like, oh, well, with every limb-driven rest, there's bounce back, and this there isn't on these this rest. And and some of the some of the things that their rest had, you know, they they did have some some good points. No springs. Some merit. Okay. Some merit, yeah. yeah. But it, what he was saying, though, wasn't – you know, completely true. And even if there was some bounce back, your limbs, the arrow's pretty much already out of the bow at that point because your limbs are already completely, you know, expanded. So your string is passed and it's it's gone. The arrow's gone. So so it ends up being a moot point. So it's not. Exactly. It's not. It's not untrue. 
It's just no. there. It's something that someone else is using as a selling point, right. but it's not necessarily relevant. Right. So I mean, maybe there's some bows that have some bounce before the arrows cleared the rest. But to me, I mean, I haven't done no slow motion video or, you know, you're going to have to get on to prove it. So, <clears throat> research yeah, let, that. Let me build a, my, uh, video lab here and we'll get some shots well you know 2019 is going to be a big year for that john so whenever you're (laughs) right whenever you're ready behind you 100 percent. right um so like uh, for you john what did you see there that was exciting we'll get to stands and sticks and all of that in in a minute here but well I guess I got to think about the bows. I mean, this year I shot all the bows. Yeah, last year he was like, I saw RX1. Well, well last it. year because, like, Matthews didn't have a 31-inch bow that would fit me. Uh, really, no one. Really, no. I mean, no one but you know, Bowtech used to have it, whatever. And I shot Bowtech. I didn't like the, you know, the way the, the cam cycle was on it. So, well, this year I was like, well, Matthews came out with the it's the verdicts the verdicts or i can't remember I'm, that's triac last year verdicts this year yeah right but there was a bigger one the bigger one i didn't shoot the verdicts oh yeah they just they yeah so <sighs> we got my bad i need to i should be more up on that when we're, while we're doing this but so anyway that bow shot great it felt good it had a really good draw cycle uh, the Bowtech shot the, the Realm SS. The Realm SS, yeah. That had a great draw cycle. But, I mean, even though some of them bows come in 31-inch, like most of those, I think the only booth that had one set up in the, like, 31, 32-inch range was actually the Hoyt. The RX, the new RX-3 was, you know, set for 32 and the Helix Ultra. So, I shot those. And, yeah, I guess I'm just kind of a Hoyt guy now, but I'm just so used to that. It's the same cam cycle as I, as my RX-1. And so, like, just before we started the podcast, I was just, I took a shot with my double XL. And that cam cycle, after shooting my RX-1, I love the RX-1s, those cams. And, and they like, changed the cams on the, the RX-3. Or Hoyt changed their cams altogether this year, right? No, it's pretty much the same cam. But they changed the numbering and changed like yeah, where they're at. They changed, yeah, like because last year you could get the RX one in the standard with the number four cam, and that would go up to thirty-one inch draw length. So that's why. And normally I don't have that option, so I went with the short bow, and I've shot great with it. I mean, it shot great for me anyway. And right. So. So, but yeah, so then they switched up the RX3, just the standard. Now that only goes to 30 inch. And then the RX3 Ultra goes up to 32 inch. And so they, they eliminated number three cam. Right. They eliminated, they eliminated the number four cam. And so it's kind of a bummer for me because like I like to be right at the end of the, you know, the numbering. So, I have a little bit more valley that way, but 
it's it's I shot it in the thirty two, I shot it in the thirty one down there and they both felt good. And and from Hoyt, John asked him, he's like, I, I just gotta ask you, what happened with the RX two? And the guy says, Honestly, this is the RX two, he said, but it just sounds stupid, so <laughs> He's like, we named it the RX3. It's more of a the marketing <laughs> strategy. They're like, RX3 just sounds better. Yeah. So <laughs> he's like, trust me, it's not the first time I've heard that question. <laughs> so yeah, and I shot a lot of bows this year too. Um I shot the full line of Bowtex. I shot the full line of expeditions, and I shot all the obsessions. Um, and then I shot a few uh, and I shot all the primes. Uh, I did I guess I didn't shoot the the nine, whatever the prime, whatever the the numbering system is, the 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 longest one. Um, and then I shot the the price point bow uh, from Matthews, and then I shot. I want to shoot the Quest Thrive because that's a prime riser, like prime limbs with the Quest cam system. And I've heard really good things about that. Jason was um, uh, from Jason Beekoff from BHA. They had it at Beyond the Ears last year. Uh, when we were up at the total archery challenge and he was saying a lot of good things about it. And then, uh, my cousins that deal with the, um, Michigan whitetail pursuit, um, they're shooting them or one of my cousins is shooting that bow. And they said, same thing. Like it's just a, a great bow. And I think I want to say it's like right around five or 600 bucks, um, all set up. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good bow and, I was really impressed with the expeditions. Like I'd never shot an expedition and, um, you know, even like their, their speed bow, which is like 360, 365 feet a second. Their Mako had like a five and a quarter inch brace height. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, the draw cycle was good. Everything was good about it, but they had it set up at like, when it gave it to me, it was like at 40 pounds. So it was like, real easy you know so i had had to have them crank it back down even even at 60 pounds it was it was a really good shooter and the same with the um the obsession their speed bow was just awesome to shoot like i I mean felt really good but it was still like five five and a half inch brace height something like that and you know john i didn't i don't i don't think of things of like terms of like the bow is going to blow up in my hand, but I, every single one of the bows, I was like going back and forth with the draw cycle. I mean, like right there and they had that bow set at 90% let off. So I like drew it back and I like turned it. I was like looking at that John and he's like, yeah, when you were turning around, like the, the string was in the track. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bobbing and we, cause at that point, 90, 90% let off. That's like the least amount of tension that's on the string oh, yeah. at full draw. And so if you just twist a little bit, well, you, you're asking for trouble. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I but, didn't even enter into like my, my thought process. It would have been a, a bad fucking day. <laughs> it would have been a shit show. <laughs> well, and the funny part about it was is that I asked the guy, like I wanted to start with their most forgiving bow. And that's what I told him. I was like, yeah, give me the most forgiving bow that you got. And he's like, here you go, 365 feet a second. And I was like, oh, okay, speed yeah. bow. Right, I don't think that's their most forgiving. I mean, not, no, not, not with that. Not with the brace height it had. No. no, and and so one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about here too is like it was unfortunate last year. I got to shoot 
a couple new breeds. Um, but I wanted to, because last year they had their trailer broken into That's and like right. most of their bows got stolen. Um, so they had whatever they could piece together for the show. And um, I, I wanted to shoot them. Well, they've gone to the first direct to consumer bow. So they didn't, didn't have any bows there. And there were, you know, we wanted to, we talked to Mark from EXO on the podcast. And so we wanted to talk to him there and I sent him an email and he said, well, yeah, we may be there wandering around and at the show, but we're not going to have a booth because we're direct to consumer. We're not going to, you know, this is a dealer show. So there's no reason for us to be there. So there were a few companies and, you know, a lot of the stuff that you just can order online if if it's only available online, it's probably not worth it for them to have a booth. And that's one of the things, I mean, I guess, what do you think about John for you personally, a bow company where you have to order it online? You can't, I mean, I, I maybe they'll be doing some other like shows and expos and things like that. Right. They might be at like the hunt expo right. or whatever hunt time expo. I guess if they had a, if they had like a good return system, like, okay, free shipping you know free return shipping whatever then that would be no problem but i like to be able to go and feel the bow yeah you gotta feel it i did that i did that with my my bowtech matter of fact i i bought that on i bought the bowtech boss bought it online no one around here had it in stock for me to even shoot so i was just like it was a 32 inch draw bow so i'm like well just gonna order it. It's the only thing that really fit me. And I shot that bow really great. But from the first time I drew it back, I was like, whoa, I did not like the draw cycle. It had the limb stops. I already had them had those. That that bow could do either. You could have either limb stop or cable stop. And it had the limb stops in it when I first got it. That was the first thing to go. I I guess I'm more of a lazy guy, or I like the lazy feel. Where I have a little give. When I come back, it's almost like I'm ripping the limbs off. Like, that's what I was going to say. When we're down there shooting, like, the obsessions, <laughs> expeditions, I draw it back. Of course, all those, like, were set at 29 inches. So, right. I got another two inches to go at least. And I'm <laughs> about breaking the limbs, it felt like. But that Bowtech, so I took those off. And I ended up, that had the, the, the three settings, you know extreme or whatever it was comfort mm-hmm. classic and it was in the the most aggressive position so i flopped those down to the comfort and it was still just you pull it over once it break over it felt like you're holding nothing and you can hold forever but if you had to let down like in a hunting situation you're still not you're not going to hold forever so right you go to let down man it was like i'd go to let up like, is this, I'm not holding anything. And all of a sudden, you know, Way 71 pounds, you yeah. know, shooting your hand through the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Frank saw that today. I was shooting that. I set up the new site on that carbon night and it's got that same, same, cycle. same, same cycle. So, you know, I'm the, yeah, I've posted some videos of Frank shooting and you can see him cutting wood a little bit when he's, you know, <laughs> the, the bow just starts to go. Well, that's 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 exactly what was happening to me. You know, I'm trying to line up the bubble, trying to you know get this new sight dialed in and make a good shot, and there's just no 
there's no valley. Right. It's it real just short, all of a sudden. Real short valley. It, and he's like, oh, you shot that one a couple times? He's like, no, I wasn't trying to make a shot. I was just trying to, you know, even right. it out. And I think that's where, you know, so many of these bows, the performance, you know, you lose a little bit of comfort, you know. Right. Well, you have a short valley or they have like the limb stop. So you have that dead. I mean, it's just a solid back wall. Right. Some guys really like that. I, I sh- I've tried it. And I don't, I don't like it. I like, I like to have the cable stops where you have a little bit of, a, you know, give and, but, you know, so that brings us back to the point. Like, that's what sucks. If you, if you're just buying a bow online with, you know, by the ratings or whatever right. description and you get it and you're not happy with it. Well, I hope they'd have some kind of, you know, return policy. Like I said, I haven't looked at it. So I don't know what they, what they do for you, but it's very very difficult for me to believe that you know, uh, all the people that I saw at the show shooting bows and stuff like that, uh, it's it's very difficult to have that kind of program, you know, and not be able to handle the equipment, you know. Right. I mean, you're talking, you, you, you know, know, that's a major investment. Exactly. Five, even at the low end, well, five hundred bucks, six or thousand bucks for yeah. A they bow. they got a uh, like a voucher program or like give a bow program or something so like if you know like when like when frank retired right he got his um helium mm-hmm. you know everybody pitched in and got him the helium right well they do that and it's like you can just buy it it's a 900 hundred dollar gift card and then you just pick out the bow that you want you know you build it you say i want this riser this limbs this stuff and if you're familiar with new breed it's right. probably awesome right exactly so but, you know if you're familiar with it, if you've already shot it, that's that's one thing. Or, I guess if 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 you so okay, I like a smooth. I want a smooth draw. I want a little bit more of a valley, and I don't want you know the solid back wall. And you tell their technician, and they can build that bow for you. Hey, and then it comes that way. You're, you know, that might well, be part of it. Like I said, I haven't researched or looked into it enough to actually you know really give an opinion so i don't want to be saying bad things about oh, these no no no, no. I, I the the point is simply the business model because where i want to go next with this is like you know there was no first light right you know because they're direct to consumer and that's one of the problems that we had when we were going out west was not that we well it would have been nice to been able to to check out all the first light stuff but we were right in the like their in between period where they were right. launching their new their new, new gear, so it wasn't going to get here in time for us to test it all out like we wanted to, right. and then be able to go. So that's one of the things. And to go one step further into direct to consumer and talking about EXO, you know, you bought well, we bought both our packs without right. seeing them, so it, it was really a moot point. But you know, some of the other ones are available in stores and you can take a look and it's amazing how much that alps outdoors commander x pack is like that exo pack right you know yeah it definitely i mean it's very similar it's got a lot of the same attributes the only thing you know there's a couple things like we're like exo has the you know Removable pockets, pockets. Removable pockets. So if you want two of them, you want three of them, you want one on one side, 
And the other thing is they have double zippers, so you can if you zip it one way, zip it the other. And that was what you. That's ran my in. bane of my existence on that because the zippers were backwards. Right. Like it would have been one thing. Uh, they, the whatever way was intuitive to me. Right. The the zipper was backwards. Like if they had two, it would be better. But I'll be damned if I wasn't trying every single time <laughs> to do, to do it backwards. You're closing it. Oh, it's already it's already closed or it's open. So. But so, well, we're all used to zipping up to close something. You know what I mean? So you, you, it seems like you'd prefer all those zippers to function that way. I, it was just, it was just like one of the like little things. And when you get to that level, whether you're, you know, and I've not handled a Kafaru pack, but I would have to under, I would have to imagine that everything is, is on the same level. Like when you get to that level, I'd imagine Stone Glacier is the same, but, you know, XO, Mystery Ranch. Right. Um, when you're at a price point where you're at the pinnacle of your field and it's just like whichever one is most comfortable. Because I don't think anybody's like XO's shit, Kafaru's this one. It's like they're both great packs. You just got to figure out which one works for your style. Right. Just like with bows. Right. Like everyone talks about, you know, brand specific. It's all of them. Hoyt, Matthews, Bowtech, you know, Newbury, all those, they all have a great product. They all have a great bows. No, I mean, I'm. But it comes down to that one little, it's like, right. it's like all of those little things that you wish you would have thought of. Right. Like when you get to that level, right. it's like they thought of everything. I mean, exactly. they, they really did. And so with the, the clothing, um, all of that, like we didn't really get it to look into the, the Sitka stuff, because oh, it's like the way that Sitka sets up their booth, and like we certainly could have went in there, but it's like they it's trap up, you in there. It's like trapped, and then there's like a, it's like a party in there, yeah, all the time. hundred people in there all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's always like the intimidating people. Anyway. <laughs> you know what I say? I mean, it's always someone like, like famous, like yeah, like yeah. you see on TV or on YouTube or whatever. It's right. like and they're all. You know, like huh, I really did though. The the Badland stuff looked good. There was yeah. a lot of stuff there that looked good. You know. Now I just listened to uh, Dudley's latest podcast about he went out to the Gore facility out in Maryland or whatever it was. And they did. They're doing. They're talking about the new whitetail system, the Fanatic system that Sitka's Sitka coming has. out. And they're actually like in a sound chamber, and they're doing all. I mean. It's some crazy shit that they they were doing. Yeah. And just to, like, I think they said they lowered it by, like, six decibels from their last year's Fanatic, which I guess is pretty. Basically, the way they put it is it cut. The, so, if you're sitting in a stand and you move to put, you know, range or pull up your binos and a deer hears you at 60 yards, well, now with this new system, you can cut that down to 30 yards. Like you can, you can be moving and it's still not going to hear you at 30 yards. Right. I don't know if I explained that very good, but so if your threshold is 60 before now it's 30. So, I mean, that's well, my philosophy before used to be that, you know, the softer, the better, you know, on the outside, you know, but then if it rains, Right. You've got a problem. Or if it rains, or if you're in there talking Snow about how horse. they went into, uh, like, if you get into burrs and stuff. So 
they changed the, you Have know, I like, ever been into burrs there? <laughs> so, I mean, it was a very good podcast to listen to. And Yeah, explain. so if you're interested in the Sitka stuff, that's going to be the one right. to listen to. Yeah, listen to we're, we're not the guys. No. <laughs> but we did, we did um, so I like the Badlands stuff, and the reason that I like the Badlands stuff is that it's, like, completely 100% like they'll just send you a new one if you fuck it up but I think it's built in such a way that you're not going to do that I mean they right, they got to have a, a, enough R&D on it so that they're not sending back you know every single pair of pants or something like that and you know we we said everything that we did in, in Idaho my pants just got dirty that was that was it right. um they are a bit loud, but they have a kind of like a white tail type system now, and they've changed. They've got a their approach is a brown camo, mm-hmm. but I think it's their algus stuff is is soft, kind of like a fleece. And I don't know how it would handle burrs or water because I mean Frank used the, the scentlock suit forever, and uh, it would get a rain drop or a piece of snow from two counties over and just magnet right to that suit. And it weighed about 15 more pounds by the time oh, he was God, on his way out. Well, you got, you got to remember too. I mean, the no- most noise you're going to make on a jacket is a draw cycle. And the most important part of a bow hunter is drawing the bow. Drawing the bow. And yeah. they're going to be relatively close as a rule. So that's, that's probably if it passes your draw test, you know, you, You've probably got something you and want. And that was, not to keep going back, but that was one of the things that they did in the, they like they had all these different, you know, people go in and do different things like draw a bow, you know, range finder. They were going through the motions of what a hunter's going to be doing sitting in the stand. White tail right, hunter. Right, You know, like their elk gear, they're more worried about, you know, the breathability and, you know, layering system, all that, whatever, but. So their whitetail system, just like, well, Badlands too. Like if you looked at, at their booth, they had like, they had different full systems for yep. like early yep. Western, you know, late season Western, whitetail, you know, so. And that. And they had some, their new pack was Yeah, I was going to say too. that, that Vario pack, <clears throat> I, we put a thing up on our story and I've got a couple videos on it, um, is really pretty awesome. They they kind of took their like the thought process between their 2200 which is like been their like meat packing pack like one of their staples you know big day pack you know short trip type pack and they put it into this system where now it has a removable and it's not they have a small bag like a 2200 bag they have like a 3500 bag that you could put on it they have a a, the frame comes completely separate if you just wanted to buy the frame um but the whole kit all together for everything was like 400 and 460 or 60 or something like that and in the realm of you know that type of pack that's a pretty middle of the road maybe even low end price point right for all i mean my exo pack, I think, was with the. I added a couple mesh bags. I had one of the zipper packs, and I think it was just over six hundred. 
Yeah, because I think it's five fifty with a with the thirty five hundred bag in the yeah. in the frame. frame. So, but it, it was really cool, and it. But I'll put this out there. I won't. I wouldn't change it. I love my pack, so I'm yeah, not, I'm not mean, switching up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a that's a great pack. I mean, but it's one of those things where it's going to be come down to personal preference, budget, every every sort of thing. But that's I, all of this is going to tie back in to when we get to the Lone Wolf Custom Gear stuff because that that's one of the things that's been on social media so much and guys bitching back and forth about the price of a fucking tree stand and like I can I can very easily like make an argument about it so that that's what that's what I really want to do but before that with the stand and sticks thing so the muddy pros are going to be back out so I personally would love a set of those but it's four 20 inch sticks and I feel like you need five or six of them it's like however they sell the sticks they know that you need to buy like one, one more, more. Like they, I mean, XOP with their four stick pack is right. perfect. You know, they're it's a little heavy, um, a lot heavy, but but they, I mean, it's extremely functional. Right. The way that they lock together is amazing. Like I can't believe that they don't license that out to somebody else or or or, or whatever. Um, and they've actually there's just a video that came out today. They added, um, I think, like six inches onto their straps and added a little bit bigger of a loop. And that's one of the things that was, was frustrating for me is that loop, the way that it was, it was, it didn't seem unsafe, but it just didn't go in there right. behind that button like right. perfectly. And their button was, it wasn't like a round button. It's an oblong. Yep. And I think it would have been actually better. I actually seen a review of some other guys reviewed the same, did the same thing, like compared the lone wolf to the XOP. And, the round button's definitely like it goes on, and it's it's on. It's on, yeah. Where like if you're not like there were several times where I flipped it around, put it on, and all of a sudden it was like I looked and it was like half off. I'm like, ooh. You were hanging from a lineman's belt that was like <laughs> on a fingernail or something. So yeah, I mean, your was, attention to detail in that realm is that was bad. That could have been real bad. <laughs> so yeah, note to to the listeners. <laughs> When you're wearing your harness, make sure all your clips are clipped right. Or if you're running a loop, make sure you run the the tag end through the end of the loop, not just wrap it around. I, I could have had a really bad fall. I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Or if I was, I'd probably be in a wheelchair. But yeah, it was um, not. I didn't hook my loop. I didn't put the tag end through. I just ended up wrap, somehow. I wrapped my loop around through my loop on my harness twice and luckily the little tag end on that got caught in the in the flat the loop, loop for the lineman's belt and held it and i was up you know close to 20 feet up in the tree and i had all my weight on i'm oh, leaning back and with my stand in my hand hooking it up and i probably would end up right in my head at that, yeah. you know the way i was leaning and then a, you know 12 pound tree stand coming on laying on top of me so yeah so 
Safety first, motherfuckers. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but, um, and so Hawk, we looked at their sticks. They're going to a Versa button type setup uh, versus what they had. They've got little suction cups to put the sticks together. And they're also, they didn't have any there, but they're coming out with a, a two-step version of that as well. And, you know, a lot of guys are just taking those hot heliums and cutting them down to a two-step system. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great that the companies, at least, and especially like on that, that level, I think it's great that they're listening. So like XOP is, you know, Cody DeQuisto is their, one of their R and D guys and the, the head of their, their, you know, marketing and, and that sort of stuff coming out with new products, innovations and, and things. So he's doing, he's out there testing the products and putting all the things that they thought of into it. So they're listening, but for a big company, like, so Hawk was then bought by Muddy and now the whole thing's been bought by a, a bigger corporation. And for them to be listening to guys, you know, on forums or whatever saying like, Hey, look, we're cutting these down, you know, the muddy, muddy pro sticks, you can't ever keep them in stock, you know? And so they're, they're listening. What's a good thing right? for business. Up here. Right. I mean, right. Things guys want, but get it to them with that. Then we'll transition into the, the lone wolf custom gear. So as, as soon as we want, as soon as we walked in, I'm like, we got to go over there. And it was from, the time that we got there till the last day, there was so there was two sides of the the show. One side that had Badlands on it, and it had the Innovation Station uh, where they had uh, Jimmy uh, McKinney from Serviceide, and um, so he's got the company, or he's working with uh, Tioga Rise, which is a backcountry coffee, yeah, um, instant coffee, instant coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were there in that innovation zone or whatever. So we walked over there and we were over there quite a bit. That side of the show was buzzing. Like there was always people, there was everything going on. The other side was like almost like a different show. It was like almost dead. Right. It seemed like it was just a little bit laid back on the other side. Until you walked down the aisle (laughs) where there was XOP and Lone Wolf custom gear. And it was like, you couldn't walk through there. You couldn't just walk up and have someone come up and talk to you. Cody and Andre were just talking the whole time, given, you know, everything about their, their products. So let's kind of go through their products that they had there and then price point and, and all that sort of thing. So first of all, John, I want you to talk about the arrow because it's one of those things where, it's it's great it's great when somebody tells you like how it's going to work or or what's going to happen but in real life well you know i mean i listened to andre's you know what what is it what what's the, what, okay. what's the deal with their arrow the arrow has uh like a fluted ferrule at the the tip end and then it has a slotted ferrule basically at the at the knock end <clears throat> and the whole point of it is to 
punch a hole. Like so, see, like on your neck shots that you love to do. You <laughs> circumstance shoot through the not shoot perfect. through the top of the <laughs> back neck, and you don't get a complete pass through. His whole theory on it is to uh, allow blood to escape through the shaft of the arrow. So there's the little the little slots at the at the fluted, uh, and also in the bite near the knock. Remember yeah. there was yes, yeah, so I'm saying that the, so similar it, but not as pronounced. Right, and <clears throat> the the reason for the fluted uh, ferrule at the the point end was to keep stuff from plugging those little holes. So they they fluted. It looks almost like if you cut a cross section off a fluted tire, uh, rifle barrel. You know, right. so it looked like that. And it was machined out of aluminum. 72 grains, I think. Yeah, something like that. Adds to the arrow, yeah. Or to total. the tip. I thought total was. With the, the whole, with the whole, whole, whole thing. I thought it was at, I thought it was. I think it's, he was 70, it's a 72 grain. Up front. Up front. Because oh, I was yeah. talking about the FOC and stuff. So huh. adding the aluminum ferrule on the back would take a little bit off of the FOC. But it, my only thing is. Well, for one, he said, you know, it, it it's given a flatter trajectory. It's you know, the yeah, it's so what they the way that they described it is that what they're seeing is that in forty yards it was like actually a four inch rise or not. Your arrow wasn't dropping because of the weight added to the to the arrow. No, it, it was, it's it's changing like the air current or the aerodynamics. Right, so right. like it's almost like the best way that i can think to describe it right now making it more aerodynamic is like is like drafting in yeah, and that's what they actually it, said they yeah the semi so as the air goes across those flutes in that ferrule it's actually pushing the air around so there's not as much drag on the entire shaft of the arrow the air that would normally be slowing down the shaft of the arrow is actually going up yeah it's and disturbing over. it and there's also uh, some, sort of a, going some sort of through a, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the only thing that would concern me on that theory is the, uh, when you eliminate air riding on that arrow, are you also eliminating some of the air around the fletchings for, for stability. stability, you know, especially long range stability? I'm, but that added weight up front is a higher FOC. So the way that John explained FOC to me and how I will forever look at it is like why there's weight forward in a dart. When you throw it, it goes, it follows the weight. Right? Well, and, and he told us too, Andre told us that he had got buddies of his that are, you know, target archers that shot him. And he said they shot great, you know? Right. My issue is, I mean, it, the theory of it and all that, it just, I don't know how much actual testing has been done, but, you know, uh, one of my biggest concerns would be sound because that's one of the. Well, and that's uh, what they had said is that there was no sound, but it's like. Well, did did you did you test it against a deer's ear? Is what I'm at. Like, right. Okay, so we can't hear the same frequencies as a deer. You know, so it might be whistling. It might be like one of them old deer whistles that you put on your car. And be like. <laughs> Like, I couldn't hear it, but, man, the deer doesn't like it. <laughs> like hey, an old know? dog whistle, you know, <laughs> that high right. pitch. So, I, I'm just saying, I don't know, but that's a possibility. He said it didn't it didn't have an effect. The other thing, too, was the way that, for one, 
you won't be shooting or practicing with those arrows very no. much because you're not going to be putting those into a bag at all. And when you're putting them into a block, I can see where it's going to, you know, it would be awful tough to be. So the, the whole theory behind this, though, was to put blood it's, it's, air into the, into the cavity it's the puncture and, and once no, it's I, without, I without an exit hole. So I what I believe <clears throat> is it's like the um, the pressure of the diaphragm or the pressure of the deer is, you know, that you, you have a high shot, right? And the blood is pooling down low. So you're not having blood squirt out that sure. or even if it, there is blood that's coming out, it's dripping down the deer and it's not like going out with gravity like it normally would in a... In a right. Well, the pastor. Right. So now you've got that blood that's pooling in the cavity, and you've got the pressure from the diaphragm, if you didn't puncture the diaphragm, and it's creating pressure inside the cavity, and now it's shooting it out right. up you know, the through knife. there. And so my whole thing is, though, and, uh, you know, when it, it's real easy, um, you know, no matter who it is telling you something that they're passionate about and everything is going to be, you know, through their eyes and why they made it. But he's saying, let's just pretend that you shot the biggest deer of your life and it's high in the back or something like that. And I'm thinking like the deer in Ohio, I'm like, I looked at John and I'm like, Ohio, like it's, (laughs) it's exactly what happened. Right. So yeah, for me, my thought process is not that, this isn't going to work or this is gimmicky or any of those things. I think outside of the sound and as long as the flight, like you were saying, you can't replicate that flight or whatever. But I think let's, I mean, look at a, or the rage. They come with a practice head, you know, most mm-hmm. of your ex- expandable broadheads do. So if you had a 72 grain, something that you added up front you could get your distance down for the most part as far as left and right or whatever well maybe left to right but but but, but you yeah i guess you maybe even not because if if that is technically saying that he's adding you know distance distance based upon that you know you're you're getting a more efficient flight out of the arrow so you're definitely going to have to shoot it you know here's the thing andre is a killing machine. He's killed way more bucks than I've ever even thought Seen. of. Seen. Yeah. That's what, I mean, so who am I to question this guy? He's, I mean, he's the, the creator of Lone Wolf and all this stuff. So the fucker's a genius. But this arrow to me just, you know, it, the, it, hey, it might be perfect. He's talking about like those high shots that you don't puncture. And he actually shot a deer with it. And that was one of the things, too, was, you know, when he was telling the story, it worked. Until the arrow until came out. Until the arrow, it didn't come off. out. It, it broke, broke off. off. Right. So, and then he lost, after 75 yards, he had no blood because the arrow broke off. So, then it, you know, it didn't puncture all the way through where, look at, did yours puncture all the way through with you shooting that toothy arrow this year? No. But how far did he go? 36 yards. I mean, I guess if you got the Frank, you know. Look at mine last year, that eight that I shot. Get an arrow in them, that might be your arrow. 
I well, shot him. I but, shot but, him right, you know, right or in shoot the back, him right in the ass. Know. But well. but honestly, are you not like trying to give yourself the best opportunity no matter what? Right. So, but but is there an advantage? But yeah, but but, but back to what I'm saying is that it's not this is the I mean, if we put it in the context of tree stands, this is not the first tree stand that he's come out with. Everything is, it's not the first tree stand that existed. But as soon as somebody nailed two fucking boards to a, a couple limbs and sat on a bucket, somebody else said, Hey, I really like that idea. Let's let's put a let, platform. Let's kind of yeah, let's, let's kind of run with that. Let's get rid of that white bucket. Let's get a ladder. <laughs> yeah. So put a seat so up here. If it works, then and like, the, the idea can be improved upon, or as cutthroat as the market is, somebody else is going to take it and they're going to change it. They're going to take those flutes and then they're going to, you know, cross hatch them the other way and call it the fucking meat grinder and then it's gonna it's gonna shoot chunks out the end of the arrow well now frank and i ran into him he was headed with that arrow and he was headed somewhere uh easton he there yeah, they were yeah. interested they wanted to talk to him right. about it so who knows what's gonna happen yeah. right so they, i mean that was my only it was like it's in the you know infant stage basically he just come oh, up 100 percent. yeah and here, here, so here, here's something i wanted to add you guys talk about all this technology nowadays, you know. I I started, you know when I started, back in the day, okay. It was recurves and then compounds came, mm-hmm. just a regular compound, you know. But I've seen such a change in the industry, you know, in the time I've been with it, you know, to go, my God, you know, you go into the show now and it's just like, it's, it's, it's like a kid in a candy store, you know. Right, well, I mean, so... The whole thing is, there's just some questions I had, you know, looking at it. You got that aluminum. What I was saying is, so every component that you add to an arrow can has the opportunity of, like, misalignment or, you know, a malfunction. So now you're adding this uh, aluminum fluted ferrule at the beginning that the broadhead screws in, and then there's an air gap. What happens if you're out and, you, and it's raining like a bitch? And... You get a bunch water. of water in your arrows. Well, now you got an empty shaft. Now all of a sudden, yeah. you got a nine hundred <laughs> shaft, <laughs> right? You know, so I mean, you just think of something like that, or you, you dropped them in the water, or something happened. You, you know, you you store them in your rubber boot, and you know, you <laughs> fell in the in the freaking in the swamp the night before. You never know. I mean, that quiver in the creek, anything right. like that. Or, remember that. Uh, when I <laughs> yes, yes, I do. So the, you know, there's just little things like that. I mean, so so is that added? Yeah, I just got to take it all into consideration. Is that added percentage of possibility of of a positive? Is it worth some of the negatives that come along and with then it? Then you go to the other end of the arrow where you got the guy shooting it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's you got another variable back there. You and, know. And with that, they haven't figured out a way to do a, a lighted knock because the battery is too long right. for for that. And they, he said that they were working on it. And, you know, realistically, you could use, I mean, I, I would see it as being like a collar or something like that. Or, I mean, if you had a fluted collar, it, it would work. It would just go around it and up right. through. You could make your own proprietary knock that had holes in it. Um 
you know, uh, th- all of that stuff. But like I said, this is just laying the groundwork. So I like that they have the idea that they're that they're thinking about this, you know, because like I said, so, uh, everything that we're using right now, I mean, the fucking compound bow. Somebody said, what if I put wheels on that? <laughs> you know, it it, 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 it's evol- it's it's evolution. It's thinking. Right. So and then they had. You got some else on the arrow? No. I'll- oh, because yeah. well, I didn't want to cut you off. That's why I like having John because he looks at all of the fucking. <laughs> well, there's going to get rain in my arrow, so I just I don't really think like, <laughs> I've crazy. been there before. <laughs> it's going to happen again. It's going to be really cloudy. The barometric pressure is falling, and then the temperature and the cold arrow. So there's going to be condensation. Right. There's going to be water in there. I always like, I always take into consideration outside the pressure they freeze. <laughs> oh my god! Then you got ice you frost. Know. So you got to <laughs> you got to add about three percent to your drop. Uh, no, <sighs> so yeah, so. They, they have I'm some, shooting 20 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got, um, uh, they came out with some trail cameras and uh, there's some pretty neat stuff. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't get, yeah, I didn't, you were, you were over, uh, talking to Robert Arrington and I stayed there and listened to right. the whole. So that, thing. didn't you say it, that has like the Tacticam? Yeah. So you said it's got Tacticam internals and it's got, it's either Wi Fi or Bluetooth that hooks up to your phone and it's got, some pretty good he was saying cody was saying something like 100 yards they don't have like a number on it but he was saying he was sitting in his house on the looking at the camera you know like over 100 yards away um but they don't have like numbers on it but they said there's no more like looking to see if looking for a laser or any of that sort of stuff like you can just look at your phone and see where it is and you can like Tacticams have like a zoom component of it. Mm-hmm. So you can actually like zoom it in and you can narrow or widen the cone. Um, it's got all stainless steel internals. Um, so you're not going to have any rusting or anything like that. The way that the, the SD card goes in, it goes in halfway. I did see that. Part. And so it sticks out. So with gloves on or something, you're not trying to push that down in there. And then if you didn't seat it, when you close the top of it, it, it automatically seats it, seats it. And then he said something like it automatically formats the card to the camera every single time you put it in there. And then there's a extra SD card slot so you can swap them out. Didn't it have like three different co- like camo covers? Or yeah, there's silicone too? covers. There's like a gray, a white, and a green um, that all come with it. And the price point on it, I think, was somewhere around 300 350 bucks, something like that. Um but it has um, the strap that comes with it. Like you don't have to like feed it through. It like loops on, um, so there's no dicking around with that. Which you is still put an order in for ten tomorrow. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully, had a python cable hole through it. <laughs> yeah, for this public land stuff we do so well. Yeah, well, no, it did have like. Well, let me go, go ahead. And finish. Yeah, yeah, it does. And then on the back of it, like if it wouldn't. You didn't have a strap that was big enough around the tree. You just push these two clips, and then there's some screws in there that screw the back of that thing right to it. Um, you know that not in public, not, not supposed not to do public. that on public land. But if you know the the way that these guys hunt, and the way that you know most of the beast guys hunt, that's going to be like eight to ten feet up in a tree, right. facing down. So 
it's it's just like the what it is. But the, the trail camera was pretty cool. I mean, like there was a lot of like smart innovations, mm-hmm. you know. And it, I think it's things that probably not the Tacticam like internals, but like the the actual physical things that they had that they had patented from a long time ago. So sweet. So let's get to the freaking- well. But they, then they oh. have a bow. Uh, the, oh, bow, yeah. the bows are made by Darton, and they've got these like modular, um, like camouflage inserts where you can change that out. And yeah, well, when you walk up to it, it, looks like the bow is solid. So they, have, yeah, it looks it does. It looks completely solid, but they're just like silicone inserts. Yeah, they're like dampening, know, like limb saver material. I don't know yeah. if, what brand it was, but and you can get different colors in that. Also, it came like uh, a black or gray. And, you know, lighter white, you know, so it was like three different colors. I think it came with, but it, it, it was weird seeing the bow looking solid like that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so what else was it? That was. Yeah. The tree stand. All right. That was, that bow was by dart. It was Darton, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. I, I always get them Darton and Martin, whatever. Well, Darton up. holds like all the patents for ninety percent of the bows out there. Yeah. Something like that. So that's it for all the the little piddly stuff. So let's uh let's hear your take on Well, so explain the tree stand. Like you're I, I mean, I can talk forever on like the whole everything on it. So like What's your take? And, and Ernie and Frank, I want to I want to hear your now, take. Oh, we're on talking it as well. about the new yeah, the Lone Wolf custom Lone gear Wolf. that so machine like, aluminum. When stand. you showed me the picture, I was like, I was like, I'm like that's a, like a machine. You guys thought it was composite at well, first. It, the way that it is, it's it's rated like seven seven and a half pounds. Right. Everything was kind of vague. Right. <laughs> as far as like yeah, what like, yeah, well, yeah, it's around seven. Uh, well, you you guys are coming to a show. You. You know, you got all this equipment. You don't have a digital scale because I got one in my, you know, shack here. But anyway, like when you were showing the picture and you guys were talking composite and it was like seven pounds. I'm like, I just remember watching uh, Infaults. I mean, not this is I'm not trying to stir up stuff or whatever, but when his sticks came out and then he was talking about his, his stand, he's like, well, I have a stand coming out. It's all machine aluminum. It's seven pounds. And then. It might be under seven pounds actually now. Well, I just remember him hear, hearing him say that. And then when you showed that, I was like, man, that looks like machined aluminum to me, you know, and seven pounds. I'm like, I don't know how it could be composite being that thin, you know, and that, you know, cross section to me. I don't know. I don't think they could do that yet with our technology. If they could, we it'd probably be about seven grand instead of. You know, yeah, you know, made out of bubundanite or something. Yeah, one of Frankie's yeah. favorite materials. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> man, that stuff is strong. It really is. So bubundanite. I've been there. So anyway, so that was my take when we seen the pictures and you know when we got over and looked at what I was impressed with it. When we got there, it was it's all machined aluminum. Seven-ish pounds, you know, they didn't have exact... Seven-ish plus. Right. <laughs> uh, they had some pretty cool little uh, features on it with the little uh, standoffs for the to make the seat into, a like, a 
uh, bench or whatever for the bench. Shelf. Oh, yeah, like a meat shelf almost. Meat shelf. And they had like, well, it's actually for like a little pack. And they have a XOP makes the pack. And they actually integrate a little, they machine a little uh, nipple on the top there, a little bracket that the little loop on the top of the pack slips in so it holds it in place and then the bottom sits on that little shelf uh, but what i like the the most about was that rubber coating that they they put on the whole thing they put on that and the sticks and the sound deadening yeah, yeah. The sound deadening you know yeah and then so they, they've got the the sticks also and they've got the two-step and the three-step version the two-step version he said was 17 inches like 1.3 pounds and then the other one i don't remember the the actual length because it would just look like a regular, you know, 32 inch length or, or whatever, uh, three step stick. And then they've got, well, and that one was right around two pounds, same deal. But in the stand, they also have like in the lone wolf, the actual original lone wolf cast, there was those holes that were, mm-hmm. that are in there. And I was always like, what the hell are those for? Well, I think it might've been, forward forward thinking and it's just taken now to figure it out but they have little bushings that go in there so that the sticks stack and stack nicely and there was a difference between that what they were actually using so at ata they have everybody has a booth and then there is this like section in the center and i don't know what it's called it's like up and coming products or like it's just like a little showcase area no. and it's like this little maze that you walk through this little thing where you snake through well over there they had like nylon or delrin mm-hmm. bushings that went down into those holes on the sticks at the booth they had like silicone like the same things that the inserts for the riser the bow were made out of like they were softer yeah, so, and that's what I was thinking, like, personally, with those little soft ones, is like. Not going to be very durable. Well, I'm a f- I'm, I'm cynical, and I always lose every fucking thing that I touch. So, it's like, well, I'm going to lose those, and then it's just going to be like the regular old technology. It's going to be just right. like, I'm going to be just stacking them together. You know, there's going to be nothing that holds them together. And so, I'd imagine, and John was saying, that. On the stand itself, you'd almost have to have the softer one because you're going to have that contact or, or whatever. But I think if you if they fit in there snug enough, and it was the tolerances were close enough, there would be no banging around because the Delrin ones definitely weren't coming out of there. I mean, right? But it would just be. It'd also be like a little. I guess if you're worried about catching your boot on something, but, you know, it might be just some one little nipple sticking up where you catch your, the edge of your boot on it and make some noise. But I, but uh, so the stand is out. I mean, you can go to this Lone Wolf Custom Gear. You can go to their website. The stand is $499 or $495. It's $500 tree stand. The sticks start out. I think at like $80 a piece. They're, they're right about somewhere, They maybe a little less. I think the small sticks were like 
289, 249 or something for four. Right. And then the larger ones were more. So they're kind of like right in line with the price point of the B sticks. Mm-hmm. The B sticks have double steps, right. you know, and, you know, there's all the controversy about who, what, when, and where. And that, it, honestly, I think you're going to get that with competitive people no matter what or competitive. I mean, I was on one of the forums. Somebody said that that just happened with like the ozone generators like not long ago. Like Scent Lock did that to – or uh, Scent Crusher did that to someone else. Ozonics you know, recently, yeah. And then the same – the same thing with scent lock, scent blocker, the suits right, right. and all that stuff. I mean, you're you're pushing the edge of innovation, and so it's just a race to the to the front. But what it does for the hunter or for the for the consumer is you're getting the best possible product that there is. And there's a lot of people that are like literally bitching about a five hundred dollar tree stand. Now, like for me, the sticks is like. Yeah, if you were just going to be like, well, fuck it, I'm going to spend $800, $900. I'm going to spend $1,000 on a tree stand setup. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I would – personally, I like a two-step system. like system. Like, I want steps on both sides. Right. You don't want the staggered steps. I, I don't – I mean – You prefer. All things being equal, give me two fucking steps for the same weight, for the same – Whatever, or if I can, you know, reasonably, if we're within the within the ballpark, a pound or two. Right. Um, but as far as the stand goes, you know, five hundred dollars for a tree stand. So let's before I get into my rant about <laughs> this, let let's defer to the the older generation. So Frank is probably past the point of hanging stands every single time that he goes out. He's a climber hunter. He has been for probably the better part of 40 years now. Maybe, maybe more. I don't know. Since the Baker trees. Yeah. So, so Ernie's been looking into it as far as finding that setup. He was, you know, so Ernie, how did you, before you had bought this latest climber or the, before you got into these modern climbers, how did you used to hunt? Well, before the big uh, suppression of screwing tree steps into trees around here, I had a, a lock-on limit, aluminum, little fella, 17 inches wide, 7 pounds. I'd throw it over my shoulder, bag of tree steps. i go anywhere. I would crawl up, uh, well, I was younger, crawl up, hang on the tree, slip it in there, and it'd it was probably less than 10-minute setup. It was great, but now, you know, they started frowning on the tree step, so I then went to the uh, climber and sit and climb at that point. But um, I've also found that many times I go out there and I can't sit where I, exactly where I want to sit or even close. i got to find this tree where I don't have to hack it up because it's, Again, it's illegal to cut trees to begin with. You know, and everybody wants to trim a tree going up with a climber. Sometimes you do a limber, so, but you try not to. But um, with that portable system, you can hunt all those trees. 
and the ones with all the limbs. So I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna figure out which set I want to get, and uh, I am gonna get that to make that happen. And so, what's your take on a? You know, so you're looking at the the lone wolf ready to hunt. You know, that comes with the stick quiver, the alpha two, and uh, it's like three or four sticks, and it's right around five hundred bucks, right? And so that's that's something that you're considering, and you're asking me questions about this, that, and the other thing. So, a five hundred dollar stand or an eight hundred dollar setup for what you're looking at, how does that like register with you? Like from what you saw, and um, it's so difficult to tell for sure without actually strapping that thing to a tree. Originally, I was looking at maybe like that little Millennium, so it was an eight-pounder, and I was, uh, I think, Mantis Sticks or something like that. I had some stuff picked out, but it was sheerly for weight, trying to shed some weight. Um, but, you know, that new tree stand's come out. It's it's light. It's decent size. It's something that you, I think you need to look at if that's you want to advance into that system if you don't have have one, you know. Yeah got to look at it and then for you frank like let, let's say that like um you're running uh summit titan or goliath, goliath. what is that weigh? uh i think it's right around 22 pounds 22 pounds yeah so i would say that that's i have the same one but yeah. that's right about average for like a three stick hang on setup it's three and a half it's supposed to be i mean well but i mean Three? Like advertise weight, whatever. <laughs> what was your what was your what was your weight on yours with the sticks and the and with the, the stand? with the four sticks? We were at twenty nine pounds. Yeah. And that was with the air rate, so that's a little bit larger of a stand. And you've got a with well, four. If you're going to compare, you're it, talking well, XOP. So tree stands. That's the the air raid. Yeah, it's the bigger stand. But you're talking Goliath. Like our Goliath Summit are huge. You know, I mean, three hundred fifty pound weight. Right. You know, uh, I can sit in. I'm six three. You know. With all my shit on, I look like I'm about 300 pounds, but I can fit in it super comfortable. So 22 pounds, you know, and that's like actual weight. Mm. So when I strap my, you know, standing sticks on and they're saying 12 pounds and, you know, for the stand or whatever it was, 13, I think, 13 for the stand and then two and a half per stick. Well, like. Well, you should be about ball the same, and you right. just got to add about six pounds to that. Right. Um, and I think <laughs> that's all the buckles and all that shit. And then, yes. the, but they weigh the stands without the 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 brackets on the back and and all right. that. And this is like real weight. But anyways, just just to get like so, let's say that they came out with the same stand that you had, or something real ballpark similar. That weighed fifteen pounds, and but it was nine hundred bucks. Would you make that switch? Uh, well, you know me; I can always find a tree. You know what I'm saying? So, but 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 here's the thing: if if I could get into it, walk into the woods with the confidence, you know, of saying I can climb any tree. I'd consider it, you know. But I'm even saying if they had a climber, 
That was the oh, but, well, comfort, just, just comfort the, wise, just for the right now, savings. the one I got, I could sit in the stand from from daylight to dark. I, I don't think I'd spend an extra six hundred dollars to save seven pounds on a on a climber. No, is if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I mean, so the, because that's essentially the argument that's happening, right? So you could. It's not like for me, money's no object. I mean, there are people that. But the, that way, but. but the thing is, 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 is if you're going to buy one system and that's going to be it, you know, what, where is the, where is the limit? If it's Good the point. ultimate system, because you can buy the same thing for those. So for the 450 or $500, you can have that exact same setup, but you're going to be eight pounds 10 pounds heavier well i don't know because here's the deal the stand weighing 22 pounds right now with all the gear we take in you know i'm I'm still taking them i'm packing my clothes in i'm packing yeah you're looking at 40 pounds when we go in with our backpacks on there you gotta have have a sandwich in there or something you know we don't have a tent in there (laughs) well mine like we weighed mine what was it 62 pounds 62 pounds yeah 62 pounds with camera gear. Camera gear and everything else. So, so, like they say for out west, what is it? Well, I think every ounce is $100. Right. Ounces equals pounds. Pounds equals pain. Yeah. So, and so, to shed, for me, you know, I have this tree stand and I like the size of it and everything. It's just, if I'm going to be filming and walking and, you know, getting back in these, there was definitely days where... You know, I did a couple miles in the swamp, and holy shit, I was, you know. Well, in the, in the fact, you know, hey, I'm not getting any younger, you so, know. So, in in the stuff we do, you know, I'm still trying to keep up with you guys. You know what I mean? It's so, I have to I have to kind of be realistic about things sometimes. You know, as far as you know what I can do and what I can't do. You know, I, I guess to answer one of your questions, Adam, is would I pay more for lighter? Yeah. To what extent? I guess I don't know. That's where you have to go. Right. Well, but my my point is this, and it's going to circle back on every single thing. So for the John six hundred dollar pack, there's a pack out there. It's a hundred bucks. There's a, a military surplus Alice pack that's forty bucks. You know, but it's all of those little things. For one-time purchase. And so what you did with your pack is you said, fuck it. This is what I'm going to buy. This is going to be what I'm going to use. Right. And that exceeds that. The fact that there's a $40 bullshit hang-on stand at Menards, it it exists. There's two of them right over there. But it's all of those little things. You right. know, you talked about all... You, you talked about a fucking sound chamber for a set of clothing. So, you know, the, the whole Fred Bear thing, your grandpa's camouflage was Details. sit down, shut up, and pay attention. Right. right? So, that fanatic suit is six or seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that's the whole thing is like, we're, 
online is going ballistic about a $500 stand and sticks and all this shit. And look into Western hunting. Look, look into, you know, that's the, that's the thing is like, if you look at it the way that, you know, I, and I believe it was Aaron Snyder's the first time I heard it when he said, you know, one ounce is about a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So $1,600 a pound. Okay. So what is that seven pound savings worth? <laughs> what is the, I mean, 16 times, right. you know, 1600 times seven, you know, I'm good at math, but that's, it's 10 grand plus. So that whole thought process, but in the realm of this style of hunting is, well, we had 10,000 fucking beers with um, guys that will tell you, well, you don't even need a fucking tree stand. Right, you just right. hang from the saddle. And, uh, you know, your weight savings, your... Right, it weighs 16 ounces. <laughs> right. Or other guys that uh, don't even climb a tree. Yeah. They shoot them right from the ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Absolutely. so... That's... it's it, it comes down to what, like, your end game is, your your goal. Because if you're, if you're just out there and you're trying to be, you know, the most mobile, you know, quiet, because that's another thing, too, is, like, the lighter you are, the quieter you're going to be. The more the the, the easier, more efficient you're going to be. Exactly. The more efficient you're not you're not going to sweat as much. You're going to be more quiet walking through the woods, and be able to get into a spot like like in fault in Andre. That's you know those guys, they come up with those stands and stuff because there wasn't one out there for out of them. necessity. Exactly. Yeah. That's, what, that's and why so they have them. They're willing to you know go through all that to create something that for that need and so but that's that's what happened with exo you know they right. said we want a pack that does this does this does this does this exactly and so you know when we're out there you know i'm not out there hunting trophy you know monster mature bucks like these guys i mean what did andre say he's gone every year he's he's gone up up up, up. he's never took a step back in quality of bucks we talked to um, Perez. Dan Perez. Dan Perez. Um, Whitetail Properties. Yeah. He said, I don't care where you hunt. Because I said this, I told Ernie, I said, this guy, Ernie has property where he can hunt the biggest bucks around, ever. But he goes, but that's not the important thing. He says, I grew up in Florida. He says, because we told him we hunt public land, you know, and he says, Buddy, he says, whatever the size of the deer there are where you hunt, you know, if you kill that deer, you know, if it's a six point or it's a five point or an eight point, you know, he said. Try to take the nicer deer with what you got, yeah. He said, I that's what my train of thought always was, he said, was just that's a trophy where you hunt. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's that's the way I've always hunted. You guys know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some real Absolutely. ugly fucking trophies. <laughs> Mutant collector. <laughs> but but the, that's the the whole point is that like, so for my personal self, you know, I mean, I just I got a saddle for Christmas. I feel like I, I have to give it a fair shot doing this and hearing all about it and all the guys that rave. Um, I'm not into CrossFit. I don't think I'm going to go vegan, but you know, I, I hope I don't turn into the 
the I'll, saddle guy that's like, I'll hey. ride with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing is, is that like seeing that stand and the what the, the thing that like I looked at that thing and there were enough pictures online and whatever. Like you got the idea of like what was the main point of it, right? It was a machined aluminum lightweight stand. The integration of the the bow rope into the 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 seat post, you know, like so that you can just wrap your bow rope around there and not have to fuck around with it. The the backpack hanger, um, the way that those uh, things were machined in there so that the seat set up the way that it did. And don't think that it had to do that because it'll sit down just like every other tree stand. So it's not right. like it's, that's the only way that it, it rides. Um, those things, like, first of all, I look at them and I say, they're none of them are weight-bearing, like, to – a certain degree, and I think I heard Cody say, like, you know, you can put a hundred pounds plus on that that shelf the way that the seat is without, you know, or they that they have. Um, but those are all things that could be cast, so those could be licensed very easily to XOP or Lone Wolf or any of the other companies. So that innovation, kind of like we were talking with the Arrow, is like the next thing. It's like it's like just building a better whatever but all that being said is like i look at that stand you pick it up and it doesn't weigh anything and you look at all the features and the way that it was thought out and i'm the cheapest person in this room and i'm like well i got a lot of tree stands and other shit like that i could probably sell and buy one of those and i won't have to i'll always have a stand that's going to be extremely efficient and it's going to be more than sufficient Right. You know, and that's that's the thing is like you're only gonna have to buy it once. Right. And like I, that that five hundred dollar price point is like you could uh rip your pack. You could have something right. you know, your dog could chew the fucker up. I mean it very well could. Dude, um, don't say that. But but like that tree stand is like you know it is a true buy once, cry once. Fairly indestructible, yep. And it, I think in no way, shape, or form is it ever going to, like, lose its value. You'd have to come out with something fucking revolutionary, like, yeah. to to make that thing obsolete. Yeah. So, like the super carbon fiber, you know. But then that would have to be. 18 ounce. That would have to be the norm. Abundant. That would have to be. Right. That that would have to be the standard to make that vanilla, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, so like I say, like you look at all these direct consumer products and price points and and all that sort of stuff. It's like that stand to me at five hundred dollars, and it's made in Michigan. The the aluminum is made in Michigan. Like everything is 100%, you know, and and they're not from Michigan. It just sort of happens that it's in our state, you know? So, I mean, if, if you're, if that's important to you, if, if those things are important to you and like, again, back to Kafaru mystery ranch, you know, 
all made in the U.S., you know, but their price points are high. Right. So so it, it comes down, like, the average guy, I mean, you just got to, you pick and choose, you know, what, you want to spend a 1000 bucks on a bow? Do you want to spend 500 bucks on a bow? Do you, I mean, what? What is your, you know, there's enough guys, there's enough people out there that want this. There's a market for it. So, you know, I mean, I could, if I'm just walking out, for one, this is for the hang and hunt crew. You know, you're not going to go out and hang five of these and go out, I mean. And leave them. And leave them. <clears throat> no. no. Not unless you're, you know, freaking a billionaire, you know, and don't give a shit about it, but. If that was the case, you'd, you'd be using something bigger anyway. But so there's a specific, you know, not brand, but there's a specific hunter that this is set for. Right. And there's like I said, it had all like look at all the, look at how much uh, commotion it caused at ATA. That was like the most busiest booth. Yeah, it was everything. a big buzz. That was the whole buzz. Mm-hmm. So you know what's gonna? I mean. Just like in fault sticks, eighty bucks a piece, they're gone. I mean, they're you not can't even, buy them. right. They're not even on his freaking website anymore. And can't he had a make whole, them fast enough, right? So, he had a whole room full of them. So it's just a, it's just a matter of, you know, what do you want to spend? I mean, if if you if that's what if you're going to be the hanging hunt guy and trying to be efficient and get in on these big bucks and these <clears> terrible <throat> nasty spots where you're crawling through shit. You're not going to be carrying that stand that I got. Well, and that's, but that's the thing is like, so I, I feel like the, the stand, the, those, the, like, like the XOP is like the, it's like just the tier below because there isn't anything better until no. this stand comes along because you could say well lone wolf for the millennium or whatever but they're all kind of on the same it's kind right. of like a personal preference at that point this is getting to like the elite level of i mean because you're you shaved it down to the i mean small package seven pounds you know what's what's your new one you you got rid of the air raid and i bought the vanish and it's a pound less than that and i haven't put it on a scale i mean i've got it all together but it has a different profile. So, so like it's over I, it, 10 pounds, right? Yeah. And and that's what's funny is that like, so the 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 first part of the season I had that, it was less than 10 pound gorilla aluminum stand that hung just like no problem. So then when I got the, the air raid and it was like at 13, you know, without everything, I was like, fuck, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? And I got a dance floor up here though. But the difference was, is that with, even with that, aluminum corrugated aluminum or, or whatever it is you know the aluminum mesh it has that like ting, ting, yeah ting, you know as i mean i'm not uh a huge guy but i mean i'm 220 pounds you know on a little tiny platform you know when i shift my weight like the stand knows it you know and when you get to the that cast it doesn't really care you know you're either locked in or you're not you know right and that's where like even with that little that you can't even tell that that coating's on there when you look at mm-hmm. it and you feel it, it just feels funny but you drop something on it and it's it's Dead. not like yeah it's not like dropping it on that cast aluminum frame 
So it's just all those little things. But it goes back to XOP and Kafaru and like, right. you know, so when you get to this, that the, the best of the best right. and all this stand is done and even all the stuff that's, you know, going back and forth with uh, the hunting beast and lone wolf custom gear and like maybe it's all a big misunderstanding, but all it's doing is putting out a better product right. for the end user. And you talked about, you know, well, the average guy, the average guy, the average guy. The average guy's got a $350 fucking truck payment. So it's like, well, it's not even two truck payments worth of a tree stain. And right. you don't need the other one that you've got. So it, it, it takes a little bit. Now, if you're going to buy it all in one shot and you're going to say, well, I'm going to get the stand and the sticks and all that stuff. Well, a thousand bucks is, you know, kind of hard to justify. I don't know. I look at it as like, I look at the stand and go, I want one. Well, my point is that like when I say average guy, how most, I mean, even me, most of the time I'm not walking two miles out in the swamp. I'm walking 500 yards, you know, do is, is that seven justifiable, justifiable, I could have, okay, I could get my stand and sticks, like my air raid, my sticks, XOP sticks, and I could get a whole nother pack or maybe put that money towards a new bow. What do you got on your feet? Right. Or, yeah, <clears throat> some good boots. Because one this day. is, I'm going to get off the plane here a little bit, but my biggest bitch right now with, with the hunting industry is the boots. Where we hunt, we need waterproof boots. We need 16-inch at least, right? How many pairs of boots, Adam, do we go through? Well, I'll tell you this. I've been through a pair a year for the last, like, three years. And I I was I was literally just having this conversation at work the other day that I, and even with Jason uh, from the Bowhunter Box Club, is that I have not tried a pair of muck boots, so I, I can't say that those are good, bad, or or indifferent. But every other pair that I've had have just gone to shit. I mean, antlers yeah. through them, fall through uh, some roots, and the roots go through them. Um, I had a damn near $200, pair of, $200 pair of Irish setters, and after a year, one of the seams just came unwelded. Um, but on the Hunting Beast Forum, like last year right at Christmas time, or Two, uh, 2017 Christmas time, the lacrosse arrow hunter, and they weren't like the light or whatever. They're the neoprene, and they're 3.5 millimeter neoprene. They're not the big ones. They make a seven also. They have like almost a snake looking front on them, mm-hmm. like molded. And I've used those. I mean, they're ultimately not tall enough for the fucking water that I get into. Well, I was going to say, do you think these boots would last longer if you'd quit filling them full of water? Where's my hip boots? And he does the same thing with them. So, um, but they, they've lasted me the whole time. So those boots, um, I, I couldn't, I can't say a bad thing about them. Like I'm, I'm very impressed with those. Well, I went through it with lacrosse. You know that. Yeah. Well, I used to sell them, you know, retail. And then 
this last pair that I bought was because Drew bought those. And uh, they were, what, 200 and some bucks, right? But uh, ended up, these things are, are, you know, I mean, I, I, I got to believe that you got to get over a year out of a pair of boots that cost you 200 bucks or whatever, you know? Yeah. You're spending, you're spending up to $200 for a pair of boots. And, and after one season, they're weather checking on you or they're cracking in, in that spot where you're walking, that right. crease, the crease, you know? Seams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or, not necessarily the seam. It's the it's, yeah. flex, it's just, it's flex just that flex spot, yeah. you know? And either that or it's it's the boot that, you know, that with that uh, contoured ankle that you can't get off or you can't get on, you know, or whatever. I'm just here to tell you those suck. <laughs> Them were some bad boots, man, I'm telling you. I just, I, you know, I feel, you know, the industry has to do something with their with their rubber products, you know. I mean, I understand, you know, I, I leather boots, you know, we used to wear leather boots all the time, but we can't wear those where we hunt, you know, now. But I just, I just think that, you know, I mean, everyone I look at, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're going, they're looking at the soles on them and stuff. They need to, they need to. To go into the boot part where it meets the upper. See now, these are my I have these are my Irish setters. Yep. And I absolutely hate these mother effers. Because I've had them for three years now. But the it's so stiff in the ankle. Yeah. And maybe that's I mean It's probably why they lasted. Right. It's so stiff in the ankle that it's like it's like when I used to play hockey. It almost hurt. Oh, yeah. it did. It it bruised yeah. it. It bruised it like the first time you wear it, it bruised the shit out of my ankle bone. I have a hard time pulling them off, especially yeah. on a cold day. Throw a pair of socks, oh, yeah. big socks. I don't. I I hook that <laughs> underneath the the toe kick up my cabinets and rip it off. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, but for a fitted boot, yeah, the, the fitted boots are always going to come off a little bit harder, but. Well, maybe just, they're maybe they are paying as much attention to boots as they are all these advances in these archery products, but it sure don't seem as though they're doing I, I, that. I don't, you know, when 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 I called the company, I well first actually I got the boots, the one pair of uh, of uh, lacrosse, yeah, right there, they're cracking, yeah, from uh, Cabela's, and I, I had them over ninety days, of course, you know, I had them a year. And uh, they said, well, you're going to have to deal with the company. So I got a hold of the company in Washington. So the guy tells me, I got to I got to pay the shipping on the boot, right? Ship the boots to them. And then during the conversation, he says, well, there's no guarantee they're going to warranty them. Right. I said, so you're telling me that I'm going to ship you my boots. I'm paying for it. And you're not going to guarantee me that you're going to warranty. That's absolutely right. I says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with those boots. You know? I said, they're going right in the shit can is where they're going. I says, and I'll never buy another pair of them. Right. I told him that. You know, this was a rep for the guy or whatever from out there in Washington. I, and he goes, well, you know, well, why would you say? I says, dude. I'm not, I'm not paying to ship these boots back to you and then have you tell me that, 
you're not going to warranty them. Right. You, you know? spend that kind of money on a pair of boots. I right. know rubbers, you know, obviously. Yeah, I think uh, I think overall, John, here's what we're running into in the rubber boot industry. There, Everybody is using the same rubber. Well, that that's like I I first heard about it like when I was watching the so the guys from Tethered went and hung out with John Eberhard mm-hmm. and he pulled out this he was showing them all like Holly hunts and his whole system and the guys fucking anal with every single like every single like little bit of everything but he had these old ass red ball boots and he had said it that they're from the 70s or some shit, but they had a higher content of rubber. Exactly. So there was a higher rubber content. Rubber. So um, Ron Bame, mm-hmm. he uh, he runs the Hunting Dog uh, podcast, and uh, it's great. I mean, if you're if you're running any sort of sporting dog, it's it's the podcast that you should be listening to. And uh, the guy's a riot. We're definitely going to do a podcast with him. It's just a matter of uh, scheduling. He lives. Just right around the corner, we've had a ten thousand beers with him too. Oh, yeah, um, it, but it's it's just a matter of whatever. But he's got some boots that are um, rather expensive. I think they're like in the three hundred dollar tier. But they use the old style rubber, and so it's the whole thing. I believe is the last pair of rubber hunting boots that you're going to buy. And I don't know the name of it uh, right off the top of my head. But, but the old school, like you, when you were talking about Red Ball and stuff like that. Hodgman, Red Ball. Well, they all sorrels, you know. Yeah, look at those my green sorrels. Yeah, I've had those since I was in uh, junior high. Right. They're, I still use them. Right. They're in their hell of a boot yeah. for for their where their place. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, they're like you can't go back in the swamp where we go. You don't expect to stay dry because they're only yeah they're you just. Know, they're just the the rubber bottoms with the right. the leather tops, but I mean they're the warmest boots I ever owned. So so as long as we're on the topic of boots, John, I think you need to circle back to your crispies and all the issues that you had with like your roll in the ankles because oh. that was like though the, the John walks up to the crispy booth and they're like, oh yeah, I bet you rolled your ankles a whole bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that may yeah. have been good to know when you first purchased them or well, talked yeah. to them. But. So. That was one of the biggest things when, you know, on the way back, we were talking about when we got back and we are doing our, you know, like, gear review or, you know, evaluation, and I was pretty bummed about how my Krispies performed. Well, it was me that you I was... the weak point. The I boots, was the weak the boots point. boots were great. Right. So, like, when we walked up, when I walked up and was talking to the Krispie rep, he's like, well, yeah, that, he's like, those boots would be fine for someone that does it every day. He's like, but for someone that I'm like coming from flatland, he's like, you're going to get fatigued and you're going to roll your ankle. There's no ankle support in that boot. Not to mention I ordered them in uh, narrow and I have a wide foot. So that was why he's like, well, you know, you need to order it wide, you know? So, so they come out with the new one. I can't remember the name of it. But it's very similar to the Thor that I have. It's for like an early season. And Colorado? That, What'd they call that? No, it wasn't. I can't remember. But it's a pretty cool looking boot. It wasn't the the funky orange like my Thors. But it's got 
It's actual. It has actual ankle support. It has a different sole, and I think they were priced at like three forty nine. I guess I should have just talked to someone at Crispy before I made before a big purchase. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing with being here in the Midwest. You know, like beyond the years in Detroit has them, and it wasn't like you put on those boots and you're like, well, I can't. No. I can't use it. I mean, they feel everything around here was completely sufficient. Yeah, well, like I was doing the dunes, you know, man, I love the the grip on them. I walked around the lake, you know, we did all the stuff around the packs. And uh, so technical difficulties here, they're both. <laughs> yeah. So back to the, the boots, you know. Do a little research and, you know, you get what you pay for, too. I mean, th- those boots, we, I still walk them today. I mean, I shoot them last night. I mean, they're comfortable as hell around here. Well, and my boots were just a little bit overkill as far as, like, the insulation. But it it could have certainly went the other way. But right. it's, it's, it's funny because I had those boots and my brother was looking at, uh, and I was running the, Cabela's mind all hunters mm-hmm. and uh with a 400 grams thinsulate my brother he's going out to he was going out to South Dakota we're gonna have him on uh, him and his buddy real quick here to talk about public land hunting in South Dakota um because they've been doing it for my brother's been doing it for a few years and his his buddies have been doing it for probably a decade um and it's not what I would ever thought of as being a whitetail state but um anyways He's like, I'm looking at buying some boots, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, John's got these boots and I've got these boots. You can just wear them. And uh, he got back, had a great season, killed, you know, big deer out there, killed a big deer here in Michigan. And uh, I said, do you ever wear those boots? And he goes, I killed both my both <laughs> my deer in your boots. So, um, yeah, I mean, get out there, wear them, do the, do the testing. But it was like... The whole, the whole point of that was that, you know, John went to the, the crispy thing and like it all came full circle. It wasn't anything to do with the boots so much as it was like he just picked the wrong boot. Right. So you need and, and like when I went and bought my boots from Cabela's, like, I, I talked to the guy and he's like, oh, you're going to do that. We'll try these ones, you know, right. and you just ordered them offline. Yeah, I did. You know, like I seen some of the guys, uh, I think. Aaron Snyder actually recommended Thor's, the Thor's. Aaron Snyder does it every day. Exactly. So, I and mean, the crispy rep was right. I see, like, some of the Hush guys wearing them, um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yep. They're so, you not, need to look at the guy. Like, you not, need to look at, like, the middle-aged guy so, from the Midwest. So, this is exi- so this is for all our listeners. So, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Don't go. buy some Thor's. Just call Crispy yeah. US yeah. and say, yeah. hey. This, hey, this is what, is what I'm, I'm doing. At. This is where I'm from. And what do I need? Turns out they know what they're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think as far as this year's ATA versus last year's ATA, you know, we got to catch up with a lot of cool people that we had met last year. I mean, 100% of the picture that I posted was no bullshit. We are sitting there talking to Zach, at, for Zach from the Hunting Public. We were talking to him about killing deer from the ground and, and all sorts of shit. And he 
had to get going, but he like hands me his phone and he says, "Hey, can I get a picture with him?" And he, <laughs> him and Frank took a picture, and then Frank got out his phone and he was like, "Hey, can I get a picture with him too?" But that's no bullshit. That's the way that the the whole story went down, and uh, it just super fun. But then we got to meet like a whole bunch of like great people as well like we hung out with the guys from tethered and um taylor chamberlain the um urban bowman and fucking hunt urban like you need to be following along with them billy is a riot (laughs) he is so much fun um and if you you know go through and and follow him on instagram he's a falconer i mean he's telling us about how you got to catch a fucking falcon and train (laughs) it and all sorts of stuff just just wild how to train Um, your dragon (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, it was it was a great a great time for us. Um, as far as like, I think going into the show, you know, we had different expectations from last year. Obviously, um, you know, having a podcast and trying to like bring stuff back instead of just use it to like have something to talk about. Um, you know, we went there kind of like with a purpose, but I think that we were also like, at least for me, like 100%, like I was like almost jaded because it was like, I wanted to see like these things, like these things were like my main focus. So I didn't maybe go in with like an open mind um, as much. And that's why I wanted to uh, Ernie and, and Frank to, to be here and to kind of talk about like the way that they viewed the show versus, you know, like the way that I walked in with tunnel vision you had to, so to much, some degree. Yeah, you had so much going on. You, know? you had much more of an agenda than right. we did. But I, I, the first thing I had to do is go get a picture with Tiffany. Then I was okay. <laughs> I calmed right down. <laughs> but the, the, I think one of the one of the biggest things that I took away too was uh, your buddy there with the, the food plot thing. Killer food plot. Oh, killer food plot. Yeah, so, and I'm telling you what, this guy is. He's excited, but uh, probably by good reason. Oh, I mean, he, he's, he's he, pumped. He is he is the man. I'm thinking, you know. Well, yeah. For I mean, that's a little bit out of our. I mean, well, not not necessarily for you, Adam, but I've I'm only public land. I mean, so for I went, I listened to him, and he this guy knows what he's talking. So about. we're we're talking about Nick Percy from Killer Food Plots. We're gonna be doing a podcast with him real quick, and hope to be doing some stuff um, throughout the year with him. It's it's kind of like bullshit. Um, you know, we had to go down. I joked around with him, but it's like, man, I got to drive to Louisville to sit down and have a conversation with you. you know? I mean, he lives right here in Spring Lake, so he's he's right here, and he's an awesome guy. I mean, I had a bunch of conversations with him um, last year, like throughout the year, and um, just just getting ready to do some stuff with him, and uh, maybe with another uh, another enterprise um, working together with him coming up real quick, um, but. Yeah, that if you want to talk about if you want to talk to someone who's passionate about what they're doing <laughs> and has been doing it, I mean, then you have some time. <laughs> but I mean, time. he will get you so fired up, and I I can't wait to talk to him. Um, so if you're listening to this and you've got you know food plot questions or like whatever, definitely shoot shoot me a message and um, oh, we'll, guy, we'll get them is, addressed. Cause, cause, I mean, he's the man. Right, it's not just talk. He no. has the science, and he has the you know Everything the product behind, behind it. it. And he attacked it f- with a science background. I right, mean, that's what's the beauty of it. Yeah. So, so with with Nick, and I mean, you know, with uh, Josh from Wild Carrot, 
um, the guys from Dirt Nap, everybody, you know, every time you go there, it's like you meet somebody and then they say, hey, you need to talk to this guy. And then, you know, just like Jason from the Bow Hunter Box, they'll be saying, oh, you need to talk to him. You need to talk to him. And, you know, nine times out of ten, as long as they're not. And I don't don't want this to sound negative, but like if it's a big company like Primos or something like that, there's a lot of there's a lot of reps, you know, that are just salesmen that are working in the booths and things like that. But ninety nine percent of the people that are there are like so passionate. You know, this is you know they have real jobs or they quit their real job to do just this, and there's a lot of really really good people. Well, and, um, and, and, and there's you, you can you can approach anybody down there. You don't have to be like afraid, you know that or you know whatever. This guy is oh my god, there's so and so, you know, and then you go. Well, they're so oh, humble. Well, exactly. You go know, talk they, to they've them. reached the pinnacle of go what they're doing, and they're so humble. So, yeah, tell, tell them your story this. about. Well, we're, we were recording a podcast with uh, Jason from Bow Box Club, the last podcast that we put up, and uh, these guys. Maybe had too much to drink. They got up late and they continued on to the show later. <laughs> I so, believe that Uncle Frank and me got to bed a I couple of hours we, before we, the we, other yeah, two guys. The other guys did. If know? I remember this correctly. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, so you, you guys show up to the show. You're on your own. Well, we, we get on a bus. Tell. Well, well, no, I want to know about like when you go to talk to. Uh, what do you want? That's coming, but I mean the other dude that uh, that we were talking to is is a young man. Well, let's let's clear up this point. Adams <laughs> getting after. I think he's talking about when we uh, looked up and we decided to go talk to the bone collectors. Exactly. Oh yeah. So yeah. there's a little line. And um, we we can talk to him at any point. They're just wandering around. Right. And so at this time we caught him. We went past the Hoyt booth, and all three of them were sitting behind the desk, of course signing. You're pictures sign, and you're stuff. Signing pictures so there's short line. So I looked at Uncle Frank. And I said, "Man, we got to get in line." So we do it. We get up there and we introduce ourselves. And the first thing I said was, "How the hell's it going, Michael, down in Booger Bottom?" <laughs> and he says, "Oh man, we got some good stuff coming. Just stay tuned." And then so there, all of a sudden, we're talking. Of course with me and Frank there, and pretty soon they're asking us all the questions <laughs> about stuff, people piling up behind us. But those guys are so humble, they didn't care. They were kind of interested in us also. And uh, it was just amazing how humble well, we talked those to, guys are. We talked to uh, Craig that was yeah. filming them, and and he told us some stuff. He said, he said these guys are on camera, off camera. They're, they're just the same. That's who they are. Right, genuine, and, and genuine, and I told them that. I says, I said, you know, and, and they said, that's what we we love to hear. That's what we love to yeah. hear. You yeah, know? you guys even, you know, didn't you ask him about a hunt? Oh and yeah, stuff? oh and, my god, know, we talked and, to him about, you know, Ernie's going to retire in another year, and uh, I said, look, man, I says, what what would you guys do, you know, for this a hunt of a lifetime, hunt of a said, lifetime kind of deal, you know, what would whatever, we do? you know, and. First thing they kind of well, how much you know? What, what kind of money you think you know? And we give him a figure, right? And he goes, "Oh yeah, 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 okay." In in Texas, big box, all three of them at the same time. Oh so yeah, Texas, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Nick writes down his information on the back of one of these. Gave pictures. him a hotmail. Gave him his uh, uh, cell everything. phone number. Yeah, everything said when you're ready, when call you're ready, me. And I'll call me. 
help you out. Yeah. And that's well, how humble these guys yeah. are. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah. I mean, Frank gives me this bag, and the, he's like fumbling through it, and he's like, you got to see this. And they, I, we've talked about it before, but Ernie and Frank have the same bows, the same <laughs> cases, the same arrows, the same everything. So, of course, we've they got, got these, them confused before they, out hunting. They, yes, they've, <laughs> they've got these signatures, you know, like, and Frank's pulling out these things, and it says, like, good luck, Ernie, like <laughs> Michael Waddell, you know, and he's like, oh, this one's yours. And then he's got one that's folded up, and I'm like, don't fold, you know, you took the time to get it. You know, it's one. Of, it's a picture of Nick Munt. And I'm like, you had him sign that, and then you folded it up, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. He flips it over, and he's like, that's, that's his, his cell phone, phone number, and that's his, uh, that's his email address. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like, I mean. He did it. He folded it up. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, anyways, we're right here at two hours. And so, for the listener, they're like, just shut up and get to it. But if you've, if you've lasted with us this long, I feel like from the, A, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. But also, like, you are owed something as the listener. So, the last time this went completely sideways, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. But now we're going to put him on the spot and we're going to say we want another tale from the garbage man. Oh, God. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do this to me. Like, I mean, you know. So, Frank, there was uh, from the, the stickers, everybody was, you know, you were you're probably like right in the running for, for number one as far as favorite episodes. <laughs> so, we need to have one more tale of the garbage man. We're going to be putting a lot more of this stuff like on our Patreon account and 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 things like that because it doesn't necessarily always tie in. But if you're going to listen for two hours, you deserve a tale from the garbage man. So, what do we got for this evening, Frank? Well, I don't know. I don't know how this one's going to fly. But, uh, <laughs> oh, wonderful! We're all in the locker room, you know, in the morning. There's probably I don't know thirty guys in there, you know, by their lockers, getting their clothes, you know, and we're getting dressed. And there's just this one dude that I'd been around for quite a few years, you know. This guy has just the, he, I mean, he, he's got this face that, you know, Mr. Sourful Jones all the time. He never smiles. He never, you know. And it was like, you know, I, I, I just all of a sudden I'm looking at him, you know. He's sitting at the end of the bench over there, you know. And I'm going, what the fuck is your problem, you know. And I kind of went off on him, you know. I'm saying, Jesus Christ, man. I said, every day I come in here, I says, and you never smile. You can't do this. You you know, it's always the same thing every day. I says, my God, man, you know what I mean? You, you've got to change your life or something, you know. I says, something's wrong, you know. And I says, what, what, how could you possibly come in here at 630 in the morning and still have that same face on? I said, what, what could it be? And he goes. My wife left me this morning. <laughs> and I go, well, have a nice day. I said, <laughs> I could, I, what else could I say? You know, I mean, but it was like, wow. You know? What an asshole. What a, oh, oh, Boy, I do I feel like a clone. <laughs> I was a clone that day. <laughs> Oh, well, well, there were no beagles exploding, so no, I think that one was just just fine. So, like I said, 
thanks everybody for following along and, and listening. I hope you got something out of this. You know, we had a blast at ATA. We always do. Um, you know, if we could bring every single one of you with us, um, definitely be very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a tremendous experience. And if you ever get the chance to go, like I said, like hopefully someday down the road, we'll be able to be like, all right, well, we're going to do a giveaway for some tickets to ATA. So we'll bring you down there and you can, we'll leave you with Uncle Frank while we go do our business. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll take care of you guys. You know, 100%. But uh, yeah, until that day, you know, you can live vicariously through everybody. And if you guys have questions or, or anything like that, but um, I think that's pretty much all we've got for today. You know, thanks for listening. You know, if you haven't already, please, you know, however you're listening, leave us a, a review, good, bad, or indifferent, because we just want to every time give you a, a, a better product and, uh, you know, check out our Patreon account. Like I said, we're going to have more and more stuff and, and hopefully here in the next month or so, we're going to have some, some serious additions to that um, more to come on that but um, you know that's that helps us out with uh, doing all these things but again just everybody thanks for following along and listening and uh, that's pretty much all we got for today so so thanks everybody see you bye later Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.